Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale, and I thank you so much for joining with me this morning. It's actually very early in the morning. That's the reason I sort of sound the way I do. But I had to get up and get some things done here, right? So... uh, Perhaps you'll forgive the froggy basso profundo. Anyway, we've been going through the Gospel of John. and actually doing a little bit of a cross-referencing because we're at the account where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, what we would call uh, the triumphant entry, uh, which is really a misnomer. So many things that we uh, describe within the body of Christ from the Scripture are not exactly accurate. And, And it really brought a phrase to my mind years and years ago. You know, uh, why not be accurate? Why not be correct? You know, why not you speak the truth? Why not say exactly what it is <clears throat> rather than hiding uh, behind uh, titles and phrases? Uh, we see it in so many different ways. I mean, one of the most prominent ways within the body of Christ today is <clears throat> somebody will say, oh, I'm a Calvinist. Oh, I'm Arminian. Oh, I'm Baptist. Oh, I'm Presbyterian. Oh, I'm Catholic. Oh, I'm Methodist. And we hide behind titles. <clears throat> and we really have no idea what that is means and what we're saying or even what they believe, much less what the Word of God says and what the Word of God says we're to believe. And so, uh, you know, we run into little things like that all the time, but this is the place where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. It's just a few days before he's going to be killed. And we've looked at the cross-references. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all address this. And so in previous episodes, we've looked at John, we've looked at Mark, then we looked at Matthew. Now we're going to look at Luke today. And this is Luke, the 19th chapter, beginning with verse 29. When he, and that's Jesus, when he approached Bethphage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will see a coat tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say, The Lord has need of it. And so we've seen this type of thing happen within the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Remember John just said, Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it and went in. We saw in Matthew that it was a donkey and a coat. Okay, there were two of them, and they brought both of them. We've seen in three of the Gospels that no one's ever sat on this coat. We saw in a couple of the Gospels that somebody did question him about why are you untying it. And listen to what Luke says, verse 32. So those who were sent, went away, and found it just as he had told them. Verse 33, as they were untying the coat, its owners said to them, why are you untying the coat? And so you find from Luke that it's not uh, just bystanders. I mean, Mark said it was bystanders where they were bystanders. But Mark didn't point out that it was owners. Well, why did Mark not point out it was owners? Well, Perhaps he didn't know that it was owners. That's that's the wonder and the glory of the Scripture, is that the Lord reveals what he wants to reveal through who he wants to reveal it through, who is writing a letter to someone, and the Lord says, okay, I want them to know this. So Mark may not have even known. Well, how could Luke have known and Mark not known? Well, when you look at the beginning of Luke, Luke makes a big deal of this. uh, this. He's writing Luke and Acts. He says he's writing to a guy named Theophilus. We don't know if that's actually his name if that was his title, because Theophilos means lover, friend of God. 
And uh, so that might have been a title, okay? Might have been a title, might have been his actual name. We don't know. But Luke was writing to him, and he says, you know, after going out interviewing all these people and listening to everybody, I thought I would sit down and write in chronological order what happened. And so he got some details that other people didn't have, right? So he finds out here that it's the owners who are saying, why are you untying the coat? Verse 34, they said, the Lord has need of it. Verse 35, they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the coat and put Jesus on it. And he was, as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. Verse 37, as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen. Now, some interesting things right here. We see that it's the disciples, and disciples means one who's a learner. It doesn't mean that they were really, that they had believed <clears throat> unto salvation, that they had had faith and believe unto that. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of this crowd right here that are shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, would also be ones a few days later that are crying, crucify him, crucify him. The crowd can be very, very iffy, okay? But we see that they are learners. That's what a disciple is, is one who is learning. So they begin to praise God joyfully. Verse 38 tells us they were shouting, Blessed is he, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. <clears throat> well, isn't that interesting right there? Because we find out that it's peace in heaven, glory in the highest. <laughs> so they're proclaiming things. And we've already seen from previous episodes <clears throat> that uh, these were prophetic proclamations. These were things that were prophesied long before and are actually recorded in Scripture. <clears throat> so verse 39, as we've seen before, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know, they were so offended that Jesus would allow his disciples to declare that he's the blessed one who's coming in the name of the Lord. But Jesus answered, now watch this, verse 40. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Wow. He's saying this. If these right here, if these disciples, if these people remain silent, the very stones of creation will cry out. Verse 41. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. Now, Luke is the only one of the gospel accounts that tells us about this. <clears throat> if you're reading, you know, from... Uh, uh, the other ones that, you know, it looks like he comes into Jerusalem. He walks in, looks around the temple, and walks out. We've seen that he walks in, looks around the temple, and he heals some people. The blind and the lame came to him. But now that we find out that something else had also occurred. When he came in, he wept over Jerusalem. Verse 42 through 44 tells us what he said. Jesus said this, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace. Remember what they were saying what they were crying out, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They were crying out, declaring that peace had arrived, and Jesus is sitting there crying. He's saying, if you'd only know what makes for peace. But now they have been hidden from your eyes. Now he's weeping over Jerusalem. He's speaking over Jerusalem. Verse 43, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, 
and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. <clears throat> now, there's great debate within academic Christendom, and it's a worthy debate over whether this has already been fulfilled or not. A lot of times people from a, what's referred to as a preterist understanding will say that this occurred in 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed and ultimately fulfilled by the early part of the second century when it was raised and the land salted and all this kind of stuff happened. That could very well be, but I think within the balance of Scripture that the total fulfillment of this right here is yet to occur. Yes, Jerusalem was destroyed. Yes, it was surrounded. <coughs> Excuse me, but when you see other Scripture passages... It talks about nations gathering against you, and only one nation destroyed it in the first century. That was Rome, not nations. Now, there's other things involved with that, too, I understand. But the bottom line I want us to see in our final 30 seconds is that this is going to occur because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. This was going to happen because they did not recognize at that moment and at that time that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the anointed one, that he was the Messiah that was prophesied. Individuals recognized that. <clears throat> Multitudes of individual Jews recognized that and believed and were saved. But Israel as a nation led by their leadership did not recognize. And because of it, they would be destroyed. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for being with me. I'll see you again next time.